0: Amen. We serve a wonderful God, do we not? Amen. Well, we are continuing in our message series through the Gospel of Mark. We're calling this uh, series, The Gospel of Mark, Servant and Savior. And today we come to the second half of Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. We're calling the message today, Inside Out. And uh, I'm sure that will make sense to you in a few minutes when we get uh, a little farther into the text. Inside Out. Well, you know, a few years ago, an article was published about the largest body of contaminated water anywhere in the United States. The story was told about a huge lake, big enough to hide an 80-story skyscraper. That lake held 26 billion, that's billion gallons of toxic, acidic water. That's very, very dangerous, and the people in the community nearby are very concerned, of course. Now, you might think that this pool of poisonous water, one of the largest Superfund cleanup sites in the nation. You think it might be near a, a big industrial city, right? Like Detroit or Pittsburgh or something like that. But actually, the Berkeley Pit is a former open copper mine, and it's located right outside Butte, Montana. Little old Butte, Montana with a population of barely 30,000 people. The pit is one mile long, it's uh, half a mile wide, and it's approximately 1,800 feet deep. It's filled halfway up with water, and that water is acidic. The the article said it was uh, close to Coca-Cola or stomach acid. That's how dangerous that stuff is. So all you Coke drinkers, be aware. The pit is laden with heavy metals and dangerous chemicals that leach from the rocks, and it includes arsenic and sulfuric acid, and and the lake is just a a few blocks from downtown Butte. And so it's no surprise that people are concerned because they, they wonder, how can we stay free from that kind of contamination, that kind of pollution? Sometimes there's a mist or a fog that rises off the lake, and people are wondering, what happens if I breathe that? How can I stay healthy while living in this environment? Water continues to to seep in and to fill up the pit, and the residents of Butte are understandably concerned that the day might come when the water begins to seep out and gets into their drinking water. People are wondering if they can protect the local wildlife. Recently, several large flocks of geese landed on the lake, and not long after, hundreds of their carcasses washed up on the shore. That would be a bit disconcerting, don't you think, to have a giant lake full of poison just down the street from your house. How would you like that? But if you think about it, that's the kind of concern the folks in Butte have. That's the kind of concern that we ought to have. Because you realize there's a source of contamination right here in our community. And it's as close to you as the people that you rub shoulders with. It's as close to you as your television or your phone. We are surrounded by moral poison and contaminants on a regular basis. And these contaminants flow through social media and the entertainment and advertising industries and even through conversations that we have on a daily basis with folks around us. And the concern and perhaps the question that we might have as Christ followers is, how can I stay pure? in a world full of impurity? How can I stay free from the contamination that's all around me in the culture? How do I protect my children and my grandchildren? How do they stay pure in this impure world? Well, we learned last week in the first part of Mark chapter seven that Jesus condemned and corrected the religious leaders for focusing on outward behavior and the following of traditions and rules instead of following God's ways. The religious leaders were adamant about having clean hands, but we learned that Jesus was all about having a clean heart. And so today, as we move farther into chapter 7, we're going to see that Jesus uses an attention-grabbing illustration as he begins to address this issue of pursuing purity in our spiritual life. How can we stay pure in an impure world? And the first thing that's important for us to know if we want to stay pure in an impure world is that we must know the source of the impurity. Just like those folks in Butte understand that there's a lake full of poison down the street. We need to know the source of impurity. Take a look at verse 14 of our text today in Mark 7. And Jesus called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. Now, the crowds perhaps had stepped back a bit when Jesus was engaging with the religious leaders. And so apparently Jesus motions them, bids them to come closer because he has something he wants to say to them. And he says, hear and understand. Hear and understand. Those two words are in the imperative tense. That means that they are commands. Actually, they are the only commands in this whole passage. Hear and understand what I'm about to tell you. Jesus wants the people to to know. The people were to listen and to learn because what he is about to say is extremely important. And what Jesus is about to say is really is kind of going to blow their minds because he's going to have some teaching that is radically different than what they've become accustomed to. This is a monumental moment and he doesn't want the crowd to miss it. Bible commentator William Barclay suggests that this is the most revolutionary passage in the entire New Testament. That's his opinion about this passage. Jesus is about to say something shocking to people who have been taught their whole lives about the importance of keeping the outside looking good. And you know, folks, it's no different today. Many in churches and different religions around the world still believe something similar. We've got to keep looking good on the outside. But Jesus' teaching is so radical so radical that he's going to repeat it several times. And so let's begin in verse 15 now. Jesus says, as he begins his teaching, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Now that word defile, you see it's used twice in this verse and it's used three more times in the passage. The word defile refers to corruption, to pollution, to pollution. To being unclean, you just keep thinking about that lake full of poison over there in Butte. It's defiled. This statement that Jesus makes here actually answers the question that the religious leaders asked back in verse 5 when we looked at it last week. Remember they asked, they said, Jesus, why do your disciples eat with defiled hands? And it was really an accusation against Jesus. Why do you let your followers get away with not following our rules and eating with their corrupt polluted defiled hands and so what Jesus's answer is guys I just want you to know this nothing external nothing external can contaminate because the contamination is already inside you get that what does Jesus say Nothing on the outside can defile us. But by the way, do you know what that word nothing means? It means nothing. That's what it means. Nothing. Oh my goodness, this is radical because the religious thinking at that time was that if you could just stay far enough away from all the defiling agents, that you'd be good with God. If you followed all the rules checked all the boxes, you and God would have a great understanding. But Jesus basically blows up this thinking by showing that we're already spiritually defiled because the poison is on the inside. You see, my fundamental problem is not my environment, not the culture around me. It's not my education or my upbringing. My greatest problem is sin. And where does it reside? In my heart. The heart of my problem is the problem of my heart. I love that. That's not original with me. I stole that statement. (laughs) But I like it. The heart of my problem is the problem of my heart. That's why outward thoughts, things, outward things like education and politics and self-help programs and social reform and even religious practices and traditions, they are powerless by themselves to change the human heart. And so as Jesus often does, he now drives this radical teaching into the heart of the people. In verse 17, we see that Jesus moves from the crowd to his disciples, to the 12, verse, verse 17. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. The disciples, you see, wanted to discuss this some more. They'd never heard anything so radical, so shocking before. They've got questions. Jesus, we need to understand this. And so Jesus responds to their question, as he so often does, by asking a question himself in verse 18. In short, he wants to know why the disciples are so dull. <laughs> then he says to them, are you also without understanding? The religious leaders, they don't get it. The crowd outside is confused by this strange teaching, but shouldn't his core group, these guys that have been with him all along, shouldn't they have some comprehension of what he's saying? Jesus says, "Guys, wake up! Don't you get this? Jesus is moving beyond rituals and traditions and rules about washing hands and eating food. That's where their thinking is. That's what's been ingrained in them, but Jesus says, "No, it's something else. In order to help them grasp this content, uh, this content, not just in their minds, but also in, our, in their heart, at the gut level. Jesus uses an analogy, a picture that they would never forget. Verses 18 and 19, Jesus says, do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and then is expelled. The word for heart not just that organ pumping blood in there. The word for heart for these ancient people represented their inner nature. It was their mind, their intellect, their will all together. That's what Jesus is concerned about in our lives, our heart, who we are on the inside. Now, certainly some foods are not the best for our heart health, Some foods can kind of mess with us. Some people have allergies or other health concerns that don't allow them to eat certain foods. That's all fine, but that's not what Jesus is talking about at all. In this brief anatomy lesson, we're reminded that when food goes into the mouth, it goes down into the stomach, and then it comes out the other end. That's what Jesus is saying here. Some of you just kind of woke up. Oh, this might be a little interesting. The word for expelled, that's just a polite, nice word for talking about what? The stuff that goes down the toilet. Or if you mention a popular child's book, everybody poops. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He wants them to understand, okay, guys, you understand this physical process, but I want to tell you something deeper something far more significant. And so then after reporting what Jesus said here, our our author of the Gospel of Mark, Mark, gives us kind of an editorial comment. In your Bible, it might have some parentheses around it that would have been really unsettling to the Jews that would read this Gospel later, who were really into foods and what was considered clean and unclean. And so in that parenthetical statement, do you see what Mark says there? Thus he, that is Jesus, declared all foods clean. What? What are you talking about? Mark said it there. Jesus is all about freedom in our life, but guarding our heart. To a people that were all about following detailed dietary laws, this was strange, it was crazy, it was radical. And then... Because it's so important, Jesus uh, repeats his point a third time. Look at verse 20. He says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. And so now he's pivoting from that analogy to show that, you know, the whole idea that food goes into a body and, and it comes out, but that's not what makes a person unclean. What makes a person unclean is what comes out of the heart. Now that he has their total attention, maybe because some of them are a bit grossed out at this whole analogy of, of, uh, you know, stuff. uh, Jesus then says, "Let let me help you to understand this, guys. Here's what's coming out of your heart. Verses 21 and 22. He begins to say, everything, everything, all this garbage flows out of your heart. far from within... Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts. We'll stop just there for a moment. Evil is not out there somewhere. It's in here. Do we understand that? You see, so often in our world, whether it's in the Christian world or in the secular world, we think if we can just fix everything out here, everything will be good. But the problem is our hearts. That's where the bad stuff comes from. That's where the cesspool of poison comes from. The human heart and the evil thoughts literally gush out of our insides. In the original phrase, evil thoughts precedes the verb. And so it is the main idea. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is, All of these other things he's about to list flow out from this idea of evil thoughts. It's the root, and what follows is the fruit. And so our heart is full of evil thoughts. And so here's a question. Here's something to grapple with. Do our problems originate outside of us or within us? Are human beings basically good or basically evil? Well, James, the brother of Jesus, answers that for us. In James chapter 4 and verse 1, James writes, What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? All that garbage is fighting in there. And what comes out is quarreling and fighting with others. There's a famous quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, I think fits well here. Sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. You see, what begins in our minds, in our hearts, in our insides, comes out in our attitudes and our actions. We could say that our decadent desires are often fleshed out through our deeds. Jesus then goes on to list a dozen sins in verses 22 and 23 that have their beginnings on the inside, but they make their way out. We want to say that this list is extensive. There's 12 things here, but it's not exhaustive. The list could be a lot longer. So it's representative of all of the garbage that's bubbling around inside here. In verse 21, Jesus says, For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And we want to look at this for just a moment because Jesus lists six items to start with that we could say are Actions that come out of the heart. Those are in the yellow on the screen there. Six actions that come out of the heart. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, wickedness. Some, t- some versions translate it as the word malice. That's evil scheming to do evil to someone else. Is there any malice in our world? There sure is. There sure is. And then Jesus follows up that first list with six more items that we could say are attitudes that are behind some of those actions that he just listed. Deceit, sensuality, envy. By the way, envy, that that literally means the evil eye. And in the ancient times, in, in the first century, the evil eye was considered to be an eye that was envious, but also stingy. It's all about me. It's all about me not about you slander saying things about other people that are destructive pride and foolishness sometimes the bible translates that word as folly it's it's the choice to reject god it is foolishness or folly to reject god is there any of that going on in our world there sure is There's a lot of folly, a lot of foolishness out there. So Jesus is telling them, and he's telling us, look, you set up all these outside rituals, but you don't get to the root of the problem. The root of the problem is your heart. That's where all this ugly stuff in the culture comes from. This stuff that we want to protect our kids from. You know, where it really originates is in our heart." Because that's where the source is, the source of the impurity. And so after exposing their hearts, no doubt the disciples are maybe feeling kind of down here. But, but Jesus doesn't move too quickly to bring relief because he wants to, to really kind of hammer things home here in verse 23 with his, with his conclusion. In verse 23 says, All these evil things everything I've listed and everything else you can think of, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. There's that word used again. It's not what we do out here that defiles us. It's what happens in here and in here that defiles us. You see, our problems are not the result of surrounding influences, but of the internal evil that's already resident in our heart. The prophet Jeremiah famously wrote this in Jeremiah 17:9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? Everyone is capable of every sin on the list that Jesus laid out and many more sins. There is no heart where sin does not lurk. In Romans chapter 3, Paul reminds us several times of these statements. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all defiled. We're all a mess. We're full of poison. So what do we do with all this? It'd be a bummer just to end the sermon right here, wouldn't it? Man. But it depends on how you look at it. If we're just trying to clean ourselves up on the outside to look good, then this message right here is pretty discouraging, isn't it? But if we have no doubt about that depravity, that garbage in our heart, then we understand, ah, I need a new heart. I need a clean heart. You see, the gospel, the good news, will only be good to the extent that we understand the bad news of the junk in our life. The good news can only be good news in the context of really bad news. So in essence, the bad news is good news. That brings even better news the gospel. That's the solution that Jesus has provided for us. So thank God that there is a solution. How can we stay pure in an impure world? We can stay pure when, number two, we pay attention to our heart. Pay attention to your heart. So I want to just finish up this morning with just a couple of suggestions. And I think that these will be helpful for us to get on the road to attacking what Jesus identifies as that source of impurity in our life. And the very first building block is, of course, to understand we need a new heart. We need a new heart. Not just a a cleaned up old heart, but we need a heart transplant. Trying to keep the external rules will not work. Doing good works is not good enough. You and I need brand new hearts because we stand guilty and condemned before a holy God. When confronted with his sinfulness and the the horrors of his unholy heart, King David prayed this famous prayer in Psalm 51. You'll know it as soon as I read it. Verses 9 and 10. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. King David was so far ahead of his time. He didn't fully understand what he was talking about there. But he was longing for what would happen at the cross, the cleansing that comes through the blood of Jesus that makes this heart transplant possible. Fellow sinners, our hearts need the help of heaven, don't they? And like David, when we begin to pay attention to our heart condition by crying out to God for help, we have that good beginning. But then next, we need to establish some good habits. Once we have the new heart, we need to cultivate some new heart-healthy habits, if you will. Specifically, you and I must put good things in our heart if we are to continue to change. Peter, who was there that day when Jesus gave this lesson, many years later, he wrote these words in second Second Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2: Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that By it, you may grow up into salvation. What a great picture there, right? That hungry baby wants the milk. And he says, I want you to have that attitude about God's word. Long for God's word. Do you long for it like a hungry baby? Do you cry out for it when it's not readily available? Does it sustain you and nourish you and comfort you? And help you to rest well? That's that picture of that baby. And that's applied to our spiritual life. In order for things to change, we must put good things in our hearts. And specifically, it is the word of God that changes us from the inside out. In Matthew 23, Jesus reminds us that change works from the inside out. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, Jesus said, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and plate, then that the outside then may also be clean. Now, let's just think for a moment. You might be saying, wait a minute, Rob, now aren't aren't you just talking about going right back to the very the very stuff that Jesus said at the beginning? Rules and and doing the right things. That's not where it's at. But here's the catch. You see, it's not the problem is not with the rules, it's not with the actions, it's not with the traditions. Jesus is not suggesting that we live our lives with no rules. We'd all be anarchists, spiritual anarchists. That's not what he's calling us to be. The problem is when we take those things and we get so focused on them that we forget what God wants to do in here. That's where the rubber meets the road. When we look at a a rule or a discipline or a practice and we do something like this, we think, uh, this is the only way that I can avoid being a deceitful person, a particular practice all right, that works for me. Now, what's the next step? Everybody else should do that too. That's where the problem comes into play. Quite frankly, there are some things that I need to do in my life to guard my heart that maybe you don't. And there are some things that you need to do in your life to guard your heart that perhaps I don't need to be concerned about. North of Atlanta there's an intersection where two major highways come together, I-285 and I-85. This monstrosity of 20th century engineering spans several miles, and it includes a glut of overpasses and exit ramps. And even if you've driven over or under or through that interchange hundreds of times, you still have to pay careful attention or you will quickly veer off course. Look at that thing. Can you believe that? Spaghetti corn. Uh, th- That's right. This interchange, actually, it's a very efficient hub, unless you're trying to get through it at between, say, 4 and 6 p.m. During that time of day, you're right, Martha, this intersection is nicknamed Spaghetti Junction. What, a, what an apt name, right? Very fitting. From 4 to 6 p.m. it becomes a multi-lane parking lot and everything comes to a standstill. All hopes of being home for dinner on time or to a meeting on time or wherever you need to be, all hopes are dashed. And it's said that just about everyone in the Atlanta metropolitan area has at one time or another driven into Spaghetti Junction with a smile on their face and a song on their heart only to find themselves driving out an hour later with a vision of selling everything they own. Get out to the country. Well, the good news is everyone eventually makes it out. The bad news is that few people come out with the same attitude that they went in with. Well, friends, I want you to see something here. Our heart is a hub like Spaghetti Junction. And everything we experience in life gets channeled through our heart. And unfortunately, that includes our negative experiences and our sinful impulses and our fleshly desires. And those things have a tendency to get stuck in there and create havoc. And so Jesus is saying to us, look, friends, look. You set up all these outside traditions, practices, rules, but eventually all of it becomes a confusing mess of stuff that takes you away from the deeper commands of Scripture. Yes, it is important to stay pure in an impure world, but we'd better have the right strategy. And that is to pay attention, close attention to our hearts We could say that God's word is kind of like the GPS system that gets us through the maze in a way that is efficient and proper and clear. Or we can do it on our own and say, I know how to get through here. I've done it a hundred times before. I'm going to do it my way. Let's do it God's way. Pay attention to our heart, so that he can guide us through the mess of life. And so my encouragement to you this morning is that as you try to stay pure in an impure world, to above all else, watch over your heart with diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Isn't that a way better picture than Spaghetti Junction? (laughs) Let's pursue that kind of place in our spiritual life. Let's pray together. Father God, we we pray, Lord, that we would pursue your ways. Lord, that we would guard our hearts carefully so that we might live lives that bring honor to you. Lord, when we're tempted to do things our way, Lord, when we're tempted to enforce our rules and our preferences on others, Lord, may we be called back to the truth of your word. And may we pursue your ways fully. May we trust only in you. Guide us this day, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. The old hymn says, what can wash away my sin?" What can make me whole again? the answer, nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so the pure heart that we seek doesn't come from our actions or our rule keeping, but it comes from the cleansing blood of Jesus alone. And so if you're here today and you've not experienced that spiritual heart transplant, If you're not sure about this whole clean heart and whether it is a part of your life, then I don't want you to leave this place until you have a clear understanding of how that takes place in the life of the follower of Jesus. And so today as we pray, as we sing, I'm going to encourage you to make your way back to that prayer corner. I'm going to be back there. Maybe one of our elders will be back there. Randy's going to be back there to pray with you and for you. May God bless you this week as you guard your heart, as you serve him to the best of your ability. Let's stand together as we sing this closing song.